All right, peeps, on today's episode of The Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of weapon retention, lots of don't be coming up in here with your seven foot ass talking about I learned up to the wooden dummy, but you can't defend a straight punch. Let's get to it. And every day I practice martial arts. Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? I am superb, Sufu. How are you today? Good, man. You know, there's something about today's episode. What's, what is it? I can feel it coming in the air, you know? Tonight. Tonight. Or right now. Hold on. All right? What questions you got for me today? Oh, man. Let's go right into it. All right, let's do it. Straight up, out the gate, Andrew Lin. You know who he is. I do know that. He's the dopest dude. He's the dopest dude. Okay? Yeah. Because he, he makes... He makes me look great. Absolutely. Which is difficult. You know why? Because <laughs> I can imagine that editing an episode of KFG really puts you in a land of confusion. I gotta All say right. the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what are your thoughts on training knife and gun? <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know, case of the giggles for some reason. <laughs> let me let me breathe. What are your thoughts on training knife and gun defense in martial arts? Is it helpful in self-defense, or is it pointless to train them given how likely you are to get hurt trying to fight someone without a weapon? No, trying to fight someone with a weapon. Mm. That's a great question, man. Think about what we do here. We come here on a Saturday, we get to talk kung fu, answer all these great questions, and we get to train kung fu. It's amazing, man. In honesty... It's just another day for you and me in paradise, oh, right? It's just it's Think the about perfect it. paradise. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect so, paradise. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, so let's talk about it. All right. <laughs> Andrew, you might need to do some editing because we're going to be giggling a little bit this episode. <clears throat> we found out that Mikey Dean is a huge Phil Collins at Genesis fan. <laughs> so in order to make him feel at you home. Make him feel at home. We'll talk about it. We'll throw some lyrics every now yeah, and again. Yeah, you're going to have to do some editing but definitely when I start dropping F-bombs against this. <laughs> I'm going to go my see if you uh, need tissue. No. This is another day for you <laughs> and me in paradise. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's a, it's a good thing that we figured out this podcast and I yeah. figured out that I can teach Kung Fu oh, because I can't dance. Oh. Oh, All right. So great. <laughs> <laughs> He's so great that you yeah. figured this out early yeah. in life. And in Wing Chun, you know, we actually have to stick to our mm-hmm. opponent's arms. You cannot rely on an invisible touch. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> I am. Spoiler alert. Never tell me what band you hate or, do- or <laughs> singer you don't like. Because oh. I will go for the oh. long game on that shit. Oh, man. Hey, Kung Fu Genius listeners, if you're looking for an easy way to support this podcast, please consider joining the Kung Fu Genius Patreon. You can support for as little as $5 a month and get access to episodes a few days early. Higher levels of support get additional goodies, exclusive content, and even your name in the description. The baller level of support will give you the opportunity to be a Dre for a day and give me a rest from this guy over here. A link for the Kung Fu Genius Patreon page is in the description below. You can also support us by subscribing to the Kung Fu Genius on YouTube, like 
liking this video and sharing it on your social media platforms. When you subscribe on YouTube, don't forget to hit that bell for notifications so you will know as soon as a new episode or a premiere is available for you to watch. For those of us who listen to us on audio, it's a huge help if you don't just rate the podcast, but also write a review wherever you listen to the Kung Fu Genius, such as Apple or Google Podcasts. I really appreciate it. And now back to me. Yeah, so weapons defense uh, in general, let's say gun and knife, all right? are things that I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of. Mm. Um, and I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, if you look around in the martial arts world, there's a lot of kind of uh, bullshito kind of stuff against weapons where mm. they're highly underestimating the intelligence of the person who is attacking you with a weapon mm -hmm. and highly overestimating mm. how easy it is to disarm someone or to stop them from doing something to you, right? Yeah. And this is why um, kind of in the landscape of martial arts weapons defense, all right? I think that sometimes you can have a reasonable uh, ability to defend yourself against a blunt object, right? If someone comes yeah. at you with a, with a stick, stick or a or club or, or an umbrella or something like that, right? And they take like a big wild swing. If mm -hmm. you have a good uh, sense of distance and timing, you can make the guy miss, you can go in and crowd and, and, and you know, take away the distance needed to use that weapon and, and go in and strike and potentially disarm the person. But that is also only if the person attacking you is not a trained killer mm. with those weapons, all right? So, of course, if the person attacking you with the stick or the club or the umbrella has had training in Eskrima or Kali or any weapons art for that matter, all right, then you don't have a chance. You know, I, I had a woman try to uh, hit me with a stanchion before. You know what a stanchion is? A stanchion? A stanchion. Oh, you, you mean... Uh, the, the whole, the red velvet ropes? Yes, exactly. She literally tried to hit me as I was walking. We threw her out. And when I was a bouncer, we threw her out. Uh -huh. And as I'm walking away to go back downstairs into the club, she... I, I feel that stanchion about to hit me in the yeah, back. Like a spidey sense yeah. tingling? And I did the chum cue step, you know, where you step forward and do your turn. Uh -huh. Oh my God. Yeah. Came in perfect timing. I've got handy. a question for you What's there, that? because the thing is, right, I also worked in nightlife, and yeah. I know how heavy those stanchions those, are, right? So what was she, she high, was, was she like a power on, lifter? She just slapped a bouncer, and we threw her out. She was on something. Right. So she awesome. Had, she had meth muscles. She had awesomeness in her, because... She was on that Hulk blood yeah, serum. We just got her out there, she passed in, into the gutter, you know, and stanchions right there, and you, you, I think I heard it. You hit an iron part right. off the cement. You're like, whoa! Right. Turn. I was like, what? I figured you getting attacked with a stanchion was an almost daily occurrence in your life. <laughs> Not mainly, even when you're at the club. Yeah, mainly from people who <laughs> no. actually know you. Yeah. Disgruntled no podcast fans. stanchions are around, but they, yeah. Who, who don't want another damn Dreisen oh. or Dr. Eisen question. Hey, hey, they end up in the scroll. I can't do anything yeah, about it. Yeah, but you're the one who yeah. picks them. So anyway, yeah, um, yeah, so, so when it comes to weapons defense, all right, if, if the person is trained in any kind of weapons martial art, then you can absolutely forget it. Mm -hmm. Even if they have minimal training, you're going to have a little bit of a hard time dealing with that because when you look at most kind of stick and club defense, it's usually against someone who holds a stick or a club and comes with this like really wide looping kind mm. of uh, obviously telegraphed kind of attack. And the person can then, you know, regardless of what martial art, they have their way of solving that thing, right? 
Um, the thing is that if you actually learn how to use, even if you learn basic rudimentary Eskrima or Kali, mm-hmm. you're not going to run in flying like this, super wide open with this super telegraphed attack. You're going to have your hands nice and tight, almost like in a boxing position. And these are going to be short, quick hits that are going to retract. These are not going to be widely telegraphed movements. So uh, therein already lies the problem. If the person is very measured with the weapon and they're kind of, you know, toying at you and doing these quick little short hits. Mm -hmm. Well, good luck trying to disarm that person without a better weapon. All right. It's just not going to happen unless they absolutely make a mistake or slip on a banana peel. (laughs) So, however, if, if someone grabs a weapon... Uh, like an umbrella. Think about like on the subway, someone just gets pissed yeah. off. They have a cane, they have an umbrella, they have something like that. And they come swinging at you. Okay, this is a slightly different story for two reasons. One, we're not talking about a trained martial artist that actually has knowledge of this mm-hmm. weapon coming at you. We're talking about somebody who's just pissed off at you. You piss them off for whatever dryson yeah. reason, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and two, this is an attack that's done out of rage. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about someone who's doing something <clears throat> calm and measured or trying to defend themselves or has some kind of wits about them. They're so pissed off that they're going to attack you with something. So they're coming at you with rage, with this wild attack. It's not measured. It's a little bit obvious and, and it's not clean or anything, right? Mm-hmm. So... If you're able to make them miss or you're able to close the gap and disarm or close the gap and hit them or wrap the weapon or or latch onto it or whatever, you do have a chance, which is why when I teach my students how to defend against like stick and club attacks, we do it against the kind of wild, obvious club group. attack, meaning nightclub attack, not nightclub oh, attack, oh. like a, a oh, club, club in your hand. Like, okay, right. Gotcha. Uh, we do it against the more wild telegraphed attack done at rage, mm-hmm. not because I that is a representation for, you know, martial arts that use weapons, but that's a representation for the crazy dude that's grabbed something and is now trying to knock your head over with it, right? Because the moment that person takes that weapon and now puts their hands in a position where it looks hey. like they know what they're doing, hey. you better be running. <laughs> you better be running. Okay, man, okay? you got this. Yeah. You negotiate. You put, you put your hands in some yeah. kind of defensive posture back up here, and he smacks you right in the hands, uh-huh. right? You put your hands in the jong cell, assume he's going to smack your front hand, right? Mm. So if the guy looks like he knows what he's doing, you don't have a chance. The thing is that if we're talking about self-defense, it shouldn't ever come to that because if the guy grabs his weapon, you should already be on them anyway. They, they go to draw their weapon. You should be able to go and close the gap if you're close enough to do that. Mm-hmm. If there's distance between you and the guy and the person looks like they know what they're doing, good luck. And even if they don't know what they're doing, that doesn't really make it any easier. The only reasonable chance you have against something like that is if someone grabs a stick, a club, an umbrella, a baseball bat, and just runs at you in rage in a completely unmeasured way. Mm-hmm. And you have practiced that, of course, regularly. And you either see that you're going to close the gap and try to take that weapon, hold on to it, latch on to it, get inside that danger zone where the weapon is most dangerous, or you're going to let that thing miss and then close the gap, or you're just going to run. But the moment the guy starts, you know, tapping the stick down and flipping around and doing abanicos in the air, man, get out of there, yeah. okay? So that's why when Redondos. it comes to weapons defense, uh-huh. all right? The only one that I I generally teach at City Wing Chun is stick or club Mm -hmm. and only against just some maniac coming at you at rage, not against somebody who knows what they're doing. I have far too much respect for people who train Filipino martial arts or any weapon martial art 
to think that I can teach the students how to do something, you know, a couple, you know, we do it a couple times in, in a um, instructional cycle, mm-hmm. but let's say we do stick defense. Like even if you did it once a month or a couple times a month, all right. Mm. Do you now then, and that's just one part of what you do in your Wing Chun training. You know, you obviously you have your form, your chi sao, your sparring, all your conditioning, all, all you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And then maybe a couple times a month, we we grab the padded sticks and whack the hell out of each other. Okay, you get a little bit of experience. Hopefully, you get enough experience to know this is kind of an effed situation <laughs> that I don't want to be in, yeah. right? If if I can give the students anything, it's it's uh, an appreciation for how dangerous those situations are, so that they don't walk around down the street thinking like yeah well come at me bro with your weapon i know mm-hmm. something right yeah. uh i i hope that that would not be the attitude or takeaway that my students would have after i teach them like you know how we defend like kind of the five basic strikes right mm-hmm. uh it's really just against some maniac coming at you in rage with a very telegraphed and obvious attack yeah. otherwise get out of there so we can we can almost compartmentalize the different uh we, i should say we can compartmentalize the different types of weapons if it's a club or a stick or an umbrella or a bat, and those aforementioned um, characteristics are there about the attack, you might have a chance if you've trained it, all right? Um, but if the person knows what they're doing, forget it. Okay, so let's, we can leave like stick and club and all that stuff now out of the equation because what, what do people really think about when we talk about weapons defense? They think about gun and knife. Gun and knife. Okay, so this is, um, this is now a totally different kind of this is a different can of worms here right Mm. so let me talk about gun first all right so uh, even there when you just say gun where this is a this is a very open and broad theme okay so what exactly are we talking about are we talking about someone who's come up to you and they're like pointing the gun in your stomach like yeah give me your wallet (laughs) see yeah all right (laughs) and the broad too (laughs) all right okay are we talking about that situation right are we talking about someone holding a gun to your head Mm -hmm. um are we talking about someone holding a gun to your back or are we talking about someone at distance pointing a gun at you okay so when people just say in this very kind of monolithic way gun defense mm. okay it, in what situation all right um because there are certain situations with a gun where if you have no choice but to defend yourself you might have a chance if you've trained and you know what you're doing mm-hmm. okay Uh, And there are other situations where you really don't have much of a chance. So you either have to decide, I'm not going to do anything. I mean, if it's a matter of robbery or something like that, or you don't think the person is going to shoot you unless you provoke them, then then you would probably not want to do something to provoke that, right? If you're in a situation where you think the person is probably going to shoot you anyway, Anyway. then you have to make Mm. a decision, all right, about, you know, going in, (laughs) rushing, trying to move in a way where maybe if they do shoot you, it's not going to be somewhere life-threatening. But even then, I mean, that is a, that is a, you have to make these calculations in real time under such massive amount of stress and adrenaline that it's very easy to say it here as if it's like a very cool and clinical thing you would be deciding, but it's not, Mm. all right? This is probably one of the worst situations you would imagine yourself in. Now, if someone has a gun at, pointed at you at close range, meaning that you're, you're at a range where you could potentially grab the weapon. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Uh, in certain situations, the guy's holding the gun in front of you, but very close, or the proverbial on your chest, or side of head, or whatever, and you think the person is going to try to shoot you anyway, all right? And you have trained in something that can hopefully protect yourself. Um, then you might have a chance, okay? Um, but you have to know what you're doing. I have, as a martial arts instructor, mm -hmm. I've, I've, you know, in, in the EWTO, in the European Wing Chun Organization, they taught some gun defense and gun retention stuff, like at close range, you okay. know, similar kind of situations, right? Because when someone holds a gun to you uh, and they're talking to you, and if you're able to get the person to kind of glitch for a moment, mm -hmm. okay? Because, you know, if, if you can throw a monkey uh, wrench in the whole mechanics of them thinking and talking to you, you can potentially create this kind of, like, startle response where in that moment you can do something where they cannot really react, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, they're like confused. A, yeah, they're confused moment, and you yeah. say, uh, you know, where'd you park your car? What? And like this. And yeah. the, the moment they're thinking about that question, you go and you take it, right? Uh -huh. But you have to have nerves of steel and you have to have <laughs> lots of training to be oh. like that, right? Yeah. So it is possible, but the amount of training required, it has to then be a regular part of what you do. A gun defense cannot be something you do once a quarter in your martial arts class. Mm -hmm. If you want to have a reasonable expectation of defending a gun, you need to do it regularly. All yeah, right? well, New York City, uh, you know, it happens daily. So it happens daily. I've right? been twice, gun, yeah. you know, robbed at gunpoint. Yeah, it's a sure. Regular thing for us. Yeah, that's why we got to bring Kess on the podcast. He's got all sorts <laughs> of crazy stories, man. He probably has a Kess good... Kess is the, Kess the MC, yeah. the, the one who yeah. does the Kung Fu Genius yes. rap song. He's a fantastic hip-hop wow. MC. Uh, I, dude, sometimes we just sit with Kess and he just starts telling... New York stories from the 90s and the 80s, and I can just sit and listen to that stuff for hours. Mm. I would love to have him on the podcast, although it's not kung fu themed per right. se. But well, Kess's New York stories the thing are the is, best. He, what might be kung fu theme is when he's hanging out with his old seafood. Yeah, but I don't know how much of that he wants to talk about. I know. About. Yeah, right? He I doesn't know. want to talk about it at all. Yeah. Uh. So that's the, uh, that, that's the issue there. But um, I've, I've looked around. So like the EWTO mm -hmm. taught some stuff at one point. I learned that stuff. But honestly, I didn't really get into it because I've always had reservations about this stuff. You know, uh, maybe having grown up in the East Coast, it's like, dude, if somebody wants your wallet, just give them their wallet. For yeah. the most part, they're not going to want to shoot you and have to deal with that. Right. Yeah. So the idea is like I am not. Uh, this like super or paranoid you keep guy. Money, you keep certain money in one pocket and keep the exactly the, the, the yeah. rob the attempt the, robbery money in the yeah, other exactly. pocket. So exactly, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a very bucks, that's a four, very New four York crumbled thing. dollars, yeah, four crumbled yeah, dollars, and so like that's you all know, I got man. an expired yeah. boat license when you were a teenager, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's a very New York thing, by the way. <laughs> having like, especially like if you grew up here in yeah. the eighties or nineties, having yeah. like your your bullshit money yeah. for the robber, your actual stash somewhere else, right? So. So I've looked around uh, because, you know, it is a topic that kind of comes up perennially in martial arts. Like, do you guys teach weapons defense? And it just seems like sometimes when I tell people, no, I don't, because I think it's irresponsible. Mm -hmm. they, they think that it's a cop out or they think that I'm, uh, you know, de denying them something. And then they go to another martial arts school that says, yeah, we teach it. And what they teach is absolute trash. Mm. I mean, if you look at most weapons retention stuff online, even if you're not very uh, experienced with using those weapons, but you can easily see 
the problem with a lot of that stuff, whether it's gun, you know, the way people go for the gun, you can see how the gun could be yanked back and shot, or you could just put the gun in the other hand and shoot. Same thing with a knife, the, the way mm. people go to, to control the, 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 the arm or whatever, and then you can just grab it with your other hand, he's got two on one, and then you got mm -hmm. a problem there, right? Mm -hmm. So I've looked around the kind of martial arts landscape in terms of like who really does the best gun and knife stuff. Mm -hmm. And I have to say there's only one person that I saw that what he teaches um, really would give you, I would say, the best chance to defend gun and knife. And uh, it's not, uh, not to say that if you learn these things, you, you're going to be invincible. And he would be the first person to tell you. But I think Burton Richardson mm -hmm. from Jeet Kune Do Unlimited probably has the best weapons defense stuff ever. He teaches Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, um, among other martial arts, and Jeet Kune Do, and he, I mean, he teaches a whole host of things. But his focus, from what I can tell, has always been for self-defense, not, not like sport fighting or just purely doing things for the sake of the way Bruce Lee did it or something. Mm. His thing is always about being functional for the street. And uh, for example, when he teaches Brazilian jiu-jitsu, he teaches like Brazilian, he calls it Brazilian jiu-jitsu for the streets. Okay. And not only does he teach like, you know, I guess what you would call standard Brazilian jiu-jitsu, all the holds and escapes and locks and things like that. But the way he teaches them is always with the idea that punching and kicking and elbows and headbutts and stuff could still be in play. Mm -hmm. So as opposed to things being done purely from a grappling frame, like the positions that he teaches his students, he's got these safe positions and they're with the idea that the other guy might try to headbutt you or elbow you or punch you, right? So some things in pure Brazilian jiu-jitsu sport grappling is fantastic for the art of jiu-jitsu and grappling. I find that stuff amazing. I love watching sport jiu-jitsu. Okay. But that would not necessarily be in the position, you wouldn't want to be in that position on the street where the guy can just start wailing on your groin or headbutting you because you're only doing grappling and you're not, Paying yeah. attention to those things. So not only does Burton Richardson uh, focus on that striking can happen at any moment in his Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but also that weapons can come out. So they do crazy stuff like in the middle of a roll, the dude will pull out a foam knife out of his gi and start yeah. trying to stab you because that's another thing. You could be on the ground, you got the guy in your guard, and then he pulls, goes out his back pocket, and he starts stabbing you, and you're latching onto yeah. him, right? Ah. So he, he has this whole Ouch. thing like... Like while they roll, the, one of the types of training that they do there is that the person will actually then pull out a weapon, a, a gun, like, a, mm -hmm. like a, a trainer gun or a trainer knife in the middle of a roll and try to start stabbing you or shooting you. And you have to then go for full weapons retention stuff. So that already, just that awareness of like, okay, a weapon can suddenly be present. It doesn't have to be, as is often thought of by martial artists, brandished. At mm -hmm. first, the I, the kind of the archetypical, oh, I have yeah. a knife, I pull my knife, and I show, show you it. the yeah. knife, and then I attack you with said they knife. They don't always right? have to show it. No, most no. of the time they don't. And that's another reason why I'm a bit of a pessimist when it comes to especially knife defense. Okay. Because, dude, you grew up in New York, <laughs> and you know that if someone wants to stab someone, not rob someone with a oh, knife. Oh, man. If someone wants to stab someone with a knife, the last person to know that the person has a knife is the person getting stabbed. Because they're just going to walk up to him, either behind them or in front of him while he's not paying attention, and pull that thing out. Mm -hmm. And it's the multiple stabs. It's yeah. not, hey, look at me. Hey, hey I'm going I'm to do this to, super yeah. one-dimensional stab while you grab my wrist and wrench the weapon out of my hand so easily, right? It's not that way. Another thing is the, uh, the slash. 
Mm-hmm. When kids would carry blades in their mouth and slash someone, yeah, they would literally hide the blade in their mouth. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. of course. So that's a, that's another aspect that kind of makes me a bit of a pessimist when it mm-hmm. comes to this stuff. But when I looked at Burton Richardson's stuff, I saw what he was actually teaching in terms of gun retention, uh, like at close range. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, it, it, it's so unbelievably intelligent what he does. Nothing can guarantee your success against a weapon. And he would be the first person to tell you that. But also because he knows how to use firearms and he makes this a regular part of his training. And he's sought out experts who really know this stuff. He's been able to blend this so well with... uh, I mean, he does it, I believe, also with his JKD and stuff like that. But I've only seen his weapons retention in regards to Brazilian Mm Jiu-Jitsu. But the way that he shows people to kind of control the weapon is because it's based on normal human behaviors. When you look at a lot of weapons retention, let's say the guy has a gun and someone will go and grab and move out of the center line, which is obviously important. You don't want to be standing there where you get shot, but they might just hold on to the barrel like this. Mm-hmm. Well, the other guy will probably just pull the gun out and shoot you. Mm. So when Burton Richardson teaches in, in one of his weapons retentions to then cup the back there, so when he pulls it, you go in and you hold it. Okay. So he cannot wrench it out of your hand. And the way, and he's got like, you know, based on how people normally resist, it's not based on martial arts theory. It's based on, okay, you have a gun, you're trying to shoot me. If I do this thing, what are you going to try to do to get it back? Uh And then building a system from there, right? So, yeah. uh, Who I like, uh, one time your boy Sifu Vincent Lin came. Yes. And put in a seminar for yeah, us. Absolutely. He oh. showed some really cool gun yeah. stuff, right? Got my um, appreciation for that dangerous stuff. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, it's no joke, oh. man. I actually went Ooh. shooting a couple weeks ago with uh, my student, Sifu Elliot Lang. He took oh. me out in Connecticut. We went shooting what? and stuff like that. Yeah. I am not the shooting genius. I, I might be the kung fu genius, but... Um, yeah. it's, it's difficult to be accurate with a handgun on those targets from far away. Because I, cause every yeah. little inhale every little inflection you make and move just sends your your shots like mm-hmm. like you just move it a millimeter to the side yeah. but then when you're going all those yards back it's, it's way off way where off. the target yeah. is right wow. so burton richardson has a really good weapons retention and weapons defense system in my opinion um because he also he takes into account among other things the fact that the moment you try to get a weapon from someone, they're going to try to pull and yank that thing away and, and still use it. And that's, I feel, one of the things that's missing in a lot of weapons retention systems is that you see the guy has a weapon or he attacks with the weapon and the defense is just to go there, grab it and somehow wrench it out of the hand as if the guy's just going to just hold it there. Mm. And people are going to violently try to pull their arm back the moment you try to take it away. So you need to have defense techniques that take that into consideration the moment you go to go for some kind of risk control if the guy's trying to stab you you also have to check the elbow so that he cannot pull it back so the way he shows to kind of like do a risk control and a behind the elbow control and pull in Mm -hmm. to avoid the ability to kind of re-engage the knife for example or holding the back of the the gun and kind of turning it up as the guy pulls in these are really, really intelligent things that require a lot of training to be able to do. So the mere fact that you've seen the technique or you've been exposed to it doesn't mean that now somehow you have a chance to reliably use it. Um, but I think outside of like a lot of the stuff Sifu Vincent Lin taught and, and the stuff that, uh, that Sifu Burton Richardson does, mm-hmm. at least in his JKD, for, or sorry, his uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for the streets with the knife and the gun and just the general awareness and putting that into the live roles... 
I haven't seen anything where I go, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Th there are videos online, like there's a couple videos where <laughs> someone is holding a gun and then you see these super fast weapons retentions, right? Mm -hmm. Like where the guy has his hands up. There, there's that one famous one where there's like, a guy like a Chicago cop or something. Yeah, where like he takes the he takes the the uh, which yes. one is that, is that the one with the demo where the guy has his I'm hands not up? Sure, but he has a lot of videos and people make memes about him. Oh, oh, oh! Uh, you know um, what I'm talking about, Mike? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the, I think um, it's a Chicago cop or yeah but like yeah. the stuff he shows is like straight bullshit straight yeah what is yeah, it guys? dust yes. dust detroit urban something oh, something detroit. or another yeah yeah yeah. Chicago, yeah 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 um yeah that guy's funny um uh my friend tom de blas who's like a brazilian jiu-jitsu like legend yeah um he kept posting a bunch of dust stuff <laughs> and then um like just just laughing at it and yeah. then he even said that he would like uh, fight him and that uh, yeah. you know, he, he'll, he offered him some money to come like I don't know 50k or something like that for him to just come and fight him like um, and then he this got and so then good. he got blocked by dust um, yeah so th th there's a lot of that kind of stuff but no I mean there's like there's some actual demonstrations I remember there's one uh, where someone has a gun pointed to them from behind and another one from the front I think and then he's bah, 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 and he takes away and it's very impressive because the speed is really fast but it's also a demonstration yeah okay um, oh, and uh, so there's a lot of stuff out there where you see like where the guy's holding the weapon and the other person takes I mean even Jackie Chan actually can do pretty badass weapons retention right. stuff you where you hold a Jackie gun at him and then he'll do, 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 and then he'll have the gun and he'll point it Chris back Rock. Right? yes yep. but that is I mean um, Chris Tucker my bad wow Wow. Wow. Botch wow. that name too. Wow. No, he didn't no. botch that name. He didn't botch the name. I think you thought that Chris Rock was Chris Tucker. Yeah. I think, and we, we don't know what that <laughs> or means. Or Chris Tucker was Chris Rock. Yeah. No. Wow, no. Dre. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like, you always wow. Mix, mix up the Chris's. Yeah. Yeah. You mix really? the Chris's Hasht all the time. Hashtag cancel Dre. Yeah, it's big all time. Right? Okay. I'm an HR so, you, What kind of <laughs> Phil <laughs> Collins shit is that? Dude. The, anyway. Get the Dude, this... This is the world we live in, all right? Yeah. And these, these are the hands we're given, uh, all right? This is true. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, uh, if people are interested in learning some, what I would consider probably the best, most logical and most reasonable way of defending like knife and mm -hmm. uh, gun, then I would say uh, you should check out Burton Richardson's stuff. Yeah. Uh, he's got a bunch of videos, some stuff on BJJ Fanatics, but also just stuff on his website. I think he just has like normal knife uh, defense stuff. That stuff, in my opinion, is the best. Um, and if you really want to get good at it, you got to do more than just watch those videos. I would say go and train with him or one of his guys. Um, but outside of that, I, I'm not a huge fan of weapons retention. Mm -hmm. and um, And I think... You got to spend a lot of time to be decent at that. Yeah. So anyway, you be what, fast. Else, what else you got for me? Uh, we got Chris Dinian. Awesome. I don't think he have his question. Hey, did you know that you what? can't hurry love? You should never. No. Try. All right. Keep that at the, at, that at, at the natural pace. That is tenuous at best. That ease, is, ease my mind. That was a right. cover. Huh? That is tenuous at best. A it was cover. a cover, what but he still cover? sang it. So when you hear me say, you can't hurry love. Mm-hmm. You're, you hear it in his voice, no, not in the original no, you're one. You're not going to make me. You know, no, it's no, no, too no. late. See, no, I can hear it in a lovely. It's lovely. too late. Oh, by the way, 
a couple things I want to talk about. What's this? One, I have an Instagram subscription now. I have uh, KFG oh. OnlyFans on Instagram. Oh, right. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. So yeah. for the uh, for the exorbitant cost of five dollars a month, mm-hmm. um, I do uh, uh, on Instagram. I do one video a week. Sometimes I actually do a little bit more. Sometimes two, but it's. it's one video a week, and they're it's they're real, so they mm-hmm. can, they're not longer than ninety seconds. So mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to get a subscription there thinking they they have yeah. hours and hours and hours of content. No. Every week I do one video. I do like a little tip, like mm-hmm. how to do scissors ganza on the dummy, how to do Kwanzaa, or sometimes I'll answer questions from subscribers like oh, uh, right. like uh, you know how come the dummy is you know shaped a certain way if we have to do techniques like this so so there'll be all these like little tidbits uh, that i have once a week and so it's it's not something robust like an online academy i can see the questions going so through the roof that you have to step it up to like three videos a week I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, but not for five dollars a month. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, one one video a week is 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 good, and and mm-hmm. um, you know every once in a while I'll I'll you know throw an extra one in there. They have other subscription offers, so like maybe if if people want something a little bit more robust on mm-hmm. Instagram, I might uh, you know offer something at like a higher tier. Mm-hmm. But I do have that. So if you guys follow the uh, at the Kung Fu Genius on Instagram, and you want to get these weekly Kung Fu tips. Uh, it's like five bucks a month or whatever. And uh, Patreon supporters, if you support us on Patreon, uh, yeah. uh, you get, in addition to getting episodes early, I throw like other stuff on there too. But our Patreon support starts at $5. Right. So what I did for my Patreon supporters is all the Instagram subscription stuff, um, I also post it on Patreon so oh. that our Patreons don't feel like, oh, if they support us on Patreon and then, oh, there's for an extra five bucks, I got to go to Instagram to get some other yeah. stuff. So oh, if you milk me, KMG. exactly, that's not my style. No. So if people just want to support me on Instagram, we have the cool Kung Fu Genius tips one a week uh, for five bucks. And if you support us on Patreon, you get all the Patreon stuff. And you get the uh, Instagram subscription stuff, cool, too. Cool. And by the way, City Wing Chun students also get the IG subscriber stuff. We wouldn't make our own students go, uh, oh, you're, you're learning here once a month. By the way, also give me five bucks on Instagram to get a 90-second tip once a week. So, so we include that for our City Wing Chun Sweet. students as well. So, so anyway, that's just a, a couple things. And I have another announcement. What's this? This is a big one, Dre. This is a big one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should, I, big? should I have huh? a... How big? It's so huge. I don't have a Phil Collins song to introduce it oh, by. Oh, man. All right. What? The long-awaited and long-discussed 2023 Hong Kong trip. What? That's what's up. So what? Hong Kong has now lifted travel they restrictions. They have lifted the right? travel restrictions. And, uh, I, and knowing my luck, the moment I say this next week, they're going to be gonna back. Right? You know how it is. All right. <laughs> Uh, no. Are they going to say specifically Americans cannot no. go to Hong Kong or whatever, right? New Yorkers. No New Yorkers. No New Yorkers. Like New so, um, you know, in pre-pandemic times, yeah. we, we generally went to Hong Kong once a year. And I would basically lead a bunch of my students on a, if awesome I do tour. say so myself, a pretty kick-ass yeah. tour of Hong Kong. Yeah. Right? I can show people that stuff that even the locals oh cannot, cannot show you, right? And Kung Fu, Wing Chun, Bruce Lee movie stuff on top of like the normal touristy mm. things you want to do in Hong Kong. Is that 46 so, Cumberland Road? 41. 41. Well, Jeez, I always get always the name. Get it. Yeah, I always the get numbers, the name wrong. The name right? yes. and numbers. And Bruce Lee's up. mansion is not there anymore. There's oh, a new one in its place, right? Come on, man. So um, come we, on. Should all, we should all... Yamate. We should... It's not Yamate. It's Kaolun Yamate. Hong. All right. Yamate. 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 Right. Yamate. Yeah, okay. So... Um, 
what we should crowdfund with Patreon or something uh, mm. to, uh, or or one of those like GoFundMe's where we should to have all the, the KFG back? fans to, to buy the Forty One Cumberland Road what? mansion and, and just it turn back. it into like a KFG party house oh. and uh, oh. and and Bruce Lee museum. Oh. Right? Ooh. <laughs> like, we should what? all just collect all these funds, Why like not? from KFG and Kung Fu fans everywhere. Why not? And then we're all like kind of owners of the house, and then we'll have like a Bruce Lee museum on the bottom floor yeah. to earn some money, and then yeah. like people can just stay on the top floors. Lit. I can go run we, it. Yeah. I'll go run it. I've got the accent. It'll be yeah. perfect. It'll be perfect. And we'll put all a right? Marcy machine up in there. And we'll put a Marcy machine in there. Right. All right. So anyway, wouldn't that be a dope idea, right? I, would love I don't know how that. many millions of dollars US that thing is going to cost. I mean, so anyway, get, um, get Judy to so run it. We are going to uh, we're going to go to Hong Kong uh-huh. in August of 2023. Yes. So uh, the the actual tour. So I'm I'm going to be opening a tour t- for KFG podcast fans and mm-hmm. listeners to basically come and, and spend seven days with me in Hong Kong. And uh, I will have all of this on the website soon. So uh, it, the great thing is it's really early now. I mean, we're recording this in October. Yeah. So this gives a lot of people, uh, or people, I should say, gives people a lot of time to plan and to and save up if they need to for the trip. So I'm going to have a tour mm-hmm. package available for KFG fans to come and basically spend seven days with me. And we're going to have three options. Um, one, like the, the platinum option is you get like the seven day tour. So like every day we're going to be doing stuff like whether it's going to go to Yip Man's grave or do Bruce Lee stuff or Wing Chun stuff or Kung Fu movie stuff. Um, so we have like and, and also touristy stuff, too. So I give like a very well balanced tour of Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. It's not just obscure Wing Chun shit. It's all, you know, people want to go to the, the, you know, take the ferry and go to the pier and, and, and do all those things. Like I'll take them to, for all that stuff as well. See the Bruce Lee statue at, at the, you know. Uh, Avenue of the Stars and stuff. We'll do all the normal touristy stuff, right. but we'll also do, as you know, Kung Fu Genius off the beaten path, Kung Fu Hong Kong stuff, right? Yes. And uh, so we'll have this seven-day tour. Uh, so we have the tour. In addition, on the platinum package, we have the tour, and then we also have uh, training. I'm going to do a three-hour Wing Chun seminar on one of the days, and then uh, most likely I, I will discuss it with uh, Sifu Mak Chi Kong. We'll do like a Another seminar with uh, uh, Sifu Maxivu, you know, where he can introduce mm. the students to the difference yes. between the various Southern styles, which is fascinating. So we'll have like a three-hour Wing Chun seminar with me, two-hour Wing Chun seminar with uh, Maxivu. We have the daily seven-day stuff, you know, like doing all these things. We'll go to Kung Fu Corner, Kowloon Park. Yeah. We'll do all this kind of stuff, right? And then uh, there's also an option like for the morning hangout because every morning I like to do my workout and then have my breakfast. So morning hangout. Th- there's like there's an option if people want to do it. They can also get like the hangout. Do like the one thing about it's not about oh you get to hang out with the kung fu genius. Yeah. No, you get to work out with the kung yeah. fu genius in the morning. Oh. All right. So <laughs> it's it, it's not just like oh you get the the luxury of listening to me talk. You can listen to me talk for free on the podcast. Right, it's right. actually get trained with me in the morning. Yeah. We're going to go to Kowloon Park and follow, follow my, my routine uh-huh. and stuff like that, right? And then have breakfast and then the tour starts. Um, so we have that. And then uh, I think on that platinum package, you can also maybe get one private lesson with me. But I can't promise more than that because I'm going to be so busy. Mm-hmm. And then like the gold package, like the middle one, is basically all the same stuff but no private lesson. That's the one most people should take. And then the, uh, the lowest one is the tour only because okay. some uh, podcast yeah. fans might not actually practice Wing Chun or might not want to do the 
uh, martial arts training, or maybe they, if they come from another lineage, maybe right. they don't want to train with me, which is fine. They just listen for the hip hop. Yeah, they yeah they yeah. just yeah exactly. They just want to come and see like the kung fu stuff or whatever. Uh -huh. Then then we have a package, a tour package, which is basically just the tour. And uh, although I have lots of stuff kind of planned, obviously if people who are coming on the tour, let's say someone is from the Wong Sunlung lineage and mm -hmm. they want to do training with some Wong Sunlung guys. Um, but because of language barriers, they, they can't do it. I, I have a team that can help facilitate that stuff for them, and we're not going to be like secretaries, but we can actually help people if, if they have their own thing they want to do while they're in Hong Kong yeah. outside of the tour. I can help to kind of like arrange some basic stuff like that. You know that. what was cool? What? When you took us to the mall. Which Where? mall? Jackie Chan did that the police story one stunt. ball yeah 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 oh that was yeah, that, sick I usually do that kind yeah. of as a surprise yeah I'll, I'll when we're in that section of Tim Sa Choi mm -hmm. I'll be like uh, hey guys I want to go into this mall here yeah and Hong Kong has so many new modern malls that mall is actually kind of old and that's small that's like a gem they should yeah. never get rid of that and then I, I'll bring the students in there and they'll go yeah. in and they're like why are uh -huh. we in this crusty old mall yeah. and then I, we walk in the center and I tell them to look up and I uh -huh. go do you know where we are uh -huh. and they'll go oh Oh, police yeah. story. It's yeah. the end of police story. Go, this is, and then I like to go Sick. all the way to the top, mm -hmm. and then look, and down, look down and be like, "That Jackie yeah. Chan jumped down." He that, did that. Right? Yeah. So, so we will we will do all those kind of things, right? So, um, either wow. at the time of this episode coming out, or by next week's episode, we'll have the link in the description, and then there will also be a way to purchase the tour on my CityWT website. Now, mind you, the tour is just going to, the, like the offer, the package that I have is just the tour with me. Mm -hmm. Airfare and hotel, that's on you guys because uh, we have people flying from everywhere. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm not gonna, how am I gonna Can't coordinate accommodate. someone flying from Germany or someone flying yeah. from America, right? Your so, brain will exactly. ooze out your ears. Well, also the thing, it's not necessary because yeah. you, nowadays with the internet, people can book their own flight and it's early enough. We're going in late August. Okay. So the tour is actually going to be from August 21st to August 28th, all right? Mm. So it's it's one week, all right? I'm gonna be in Hong Kong longer than that, but that's, that's the seven-day tour. And we're gonna be central in Jordan, all right? So we're gonna be like in the Jordan area, which is where we stayed last yeah. time. So when people book hotels, they should book it in the Jordan area. All that information is gonna be on the website. Mm -hmm. uh, so I actually have written a very extensive PDF. Um, so for people who wanna do the trip, you would go to the online shop, and click the PDF, and the PDF explains exactly what's on the tour, mm -hmm. exactly what to expect, um, where you should look for hotels and suggestions like on Airbnbs and things like that. Um, but I also have lots of details in there, like we're going to Hong Kong in August. It's hot, yeah. right? And a, a big portion of like the people Muggy. who are gonna wanna come are from Europe, oh. and Europeans, don't like air conditioning for some reason. They think air conditioning is going to give you cancer. And every, every European that goes into a well air conditioned building goes, oh my God, my back hurts and I'm dying of cirrhosis That's of the liver. I never and they're like, why this. is that? Oh, it's the air conditioning. That's right? true, Mikey. Yeah. Yeah. Mikey's your, <laughs> yeah. They, they have this like thing about air conditioning like killing you, right? And so. Like microwaves so coming out. So I, I, I put in that PDF, all right? If you're not able to handle like, you know, 90 plus degree Humidity. heat. Humidity. 
and crazy insane cold AC, Ooh. do not come on this trip. Damn Just man. don't. I, I'm not. I'm not going to because what I want is I want everyone who's coming to absolutely know what to expect. That's why I wrote this really extensive PDF. So if you're interested in coming on the Hong Kong trip, read that PDF. It's got everything in there about the training, about what to expect, what to mm. do, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a really awesome tour. So we'll have these uh, kind of three packages available for people to come. Hotels and uh, and obviously food and, mm -hmm. and flights and stuff is all on I you guys. I have someone interested in that trip at my job. Guy that works with me. He's, totally. He's into yeah. K Why not? KFG. Bring, he's bring. into, he does parkour. Guys, a Hong Kong's a great maniac. place to do parkour. Yeah. Right? So anyway, we'll have all that stuff available. So those were my two announcements. So mm. uh, anyway, what else you got for me, Dre? Hey, Kung Fu Genius listeners. Are you a fan of Wing Chun Kung Fu? Well, if you listen to me, I assume you are. I got great news for KFG fans. Right now, you can get an all-access, one-month free trial subscription to Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Yes, I said free. Go to WCINewsstand.com and register in the upper right-hand corner. Fill out your email and password and use the code KFGTRIAL to get your free trial to all the issues from 2011 to the current issue. That's right, all the issues. Even the one with this cool guy on the cover. That's me for those of you listening to us on audio. My Kung Fu Genius column is also in all the new issues as if you needed another reason to get this awesome magazine. Go get your free trial subscription today. For all that information, check out the description below. And now back to me. Uh, okay, we got a, a, a more like a comment, not a question, but yeah. Okay. Chris Dinian. Okay. One of Mikey Dean's favorites. Susu Studio. Yeah. My man, my man, he says, hi, Seafood Alex. I remember my dad coming home with ETD on VHS and that scene where Bruce and the Ab Abbott are walking alone was on that tape and I've never seen a copy without it either. Loving the podcast. Keep up the great work. You're in my top five shows I watch on YouTube. Awesome. And okay. he only watches five shows. P.S. He only watches five shows. Yeah. He watches three shows, and we're the top five. We're number five. <laughs> five yeah. right. P.S. Love the bloopers of Dre cleaning all that coffee. He looks like he needed some bounty. One sheet does plenty. That's what's up. Oh, man. Yeah, what, well, a, if, what a classic episode. Yeah, great comment. Well, if yeah. he's only seen the version of ETD with Bruce Lee talking to the Abbott, then he's only watched versions of Enter the Dragon that have come out since the 90s. Mm. Um, because I can tell you with 100% certainty... That before they re-released it in the 90s, that scene did not exist. Did not exist. Did not exist. The first time I saw that scene where he's walking with the abbot at Qingshan Monastery. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Qingshan Monastery. Yeah, Ching It's in one of the spots on the KFG Ooh, Hong Kong tour. It's uh, on the tour. Yeah. Uh, he, um, uh, the first time I saw that scene was, I was in Seattle. It was, it was in the late 90s. Yeah. And they had just come, up, come out with that new updated version of Enter Blue the Dragon, mind. right? And... They actually uh, showed it in a movie theater. So I had already seen Enter the Dragon multiple times at that what? point in my life. And um, yeah, it was great. Uh, man, Seattle in the 90s was kind of a cool place. I went there with my buddies. They had a, this, I think the place was called Cinerama. Mm -hmm. And they had like for five bucks, they had a midnight showing for five bucks. And for that five bucks, you also got uh, popcorn or soda. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And then so we went to a secondhand thrift store. And bought a bunch of 70s style clothing. <laughs> like we all, like all of my okay. buddies went there. We had bell bottoms, boots, 
yeah. like a butterfly collar. Yeah. And like just, we got these like slick 70s leather jackets and we spent like $15 yeah. on the whole getup, right? Oh, I love it. And we went to a midnight showing of Enter the Dragon. And I was excited because I had never seen it on the big screen before. I had only seen it on the TV on VHS. Mm. And I sat there and then that scene with the Abbott came and I was like, what? And that was in the re-release. But mm-hmm. before that, that didn't exist. I mean, you, you can find any old VHS tape from that from before that time and you'll see it wasn't on there. Well, I guess so. it all depends on <clears throat> how old he is. Because, like, you know, VHS and DVD in England, at least, was still kind of a thing in the 90s. Right. I mean, I had... No, I'm going to say it because I don't care. I had all seven seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer on VHS. All <laughs> seven to, seasons. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's freaking awesome. And then I had to replace it off with DVD, right? right. And that show started in 97. Oh, so, wow. You know wow. what I mean? So yeah, you guys were a little behind on, on the on the ball there. Yeah, but we had yeah. text messaging before you guys. So that is cool. true, though. Uh, that, that is true. Yeah, it's weird. Like, it's weird, like, the Euro versus uh-huh. American technology stuff yeah. because, like... It, when it comes to like visual media, Europe was so far behind the U.S. Mm-hmm. But they were on to text messaging before us because talking on the phone is so effing expensive in Europe. Uh, so it was like that was a way to get around it. And I remember uh, I moved to Germany in 1999 mm-hmm. and then I got like this like cheap cell phone. Yeah. And my, my you know, I gave my phone number to a couple of my German buddies and then my buddy Nico, I'll never forget it, he's a Wing Chun guy from Hamburg, Yeah, sent me a text message. And it was the first time I got a text message. And I was like, what the hell is this? What is this? I'm like, you read it like, huh? I read it and I'm like, he sent me words on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> right? So the first time I had ever uh-huh. seen a text message was in Germany in 1999. That is so wild. And then I figured out how to write him back and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. You don't have to talk to a motherfucker. <laughs> It's it's that my first time I came to New York was in 2002 and I was hanging out with some friends here and I was like oh yeah I gotta meet someone I didn't have a phone I was mm-hmm. like I'll just send them a text message and they were like what's that what's that yeah, I uh-huh. was like it's a text message you know what I mean and then they were like oh yeah so um, you know um, when they call you don't stay on the phone for too long because it costs money I'm like you talking about they're calling you it should cost them money they're right like, no 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 it costs money it's the minutes so I was like Oh, no, 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 no. In Europe, if you call someone, it costs you money. Right. Uh-huh. The other way around, yeah. if they call me, it doesn't cost me any money. Look, these freaking uh, arrogant Europeans that always expect yeah. it to be the same way it is over there, no. right? What, the better no. way? Yeah. The better You know how many way. times I brought Germans to, you know, Germans have come here to New York, and yeah. then we go to a restaurant, and then, like, you know, they just get bent out of shape that uh, sparkling water isn't a normal offer. Like, you know, you have tap water, <laughs> and uh, you have to yes. pay extra for it. Uh, I That's want the water with gas, please. And they ask for water with gas. And then you can just see the American waiter going, what? With gas. So, with gas, you need a please. fart in your bottle? <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, it's so funny. All right. Uh, yeah. Wow. All right, what else you got? All right, let's get into another, I would say... Hypothetical? No. Uh, I think this might be like a comment as well. I like comments here and there because it, it rattles you. Crichton Freeman. All right. Like that name too. Nunchuck who were indeed rice flails to beat that ass. I mean, the to beat the grain out of its coat or husk so it can be separated by throwing it into the air for the wind to blow away the lighter husk or chaff. 
Oh, awesome. Often, one of the flail sticks is longer than the other, so you don't have to bend over so much, though. I saw this being done along the roadside in Anhu Province, China, not too many years ago. Awesome. Okay, so there is the history of rice flails. Beat that ass with a rice flail. Right. <laughs> Don't make beat me that beat ass. that ass. Yeah. Don't Can you imagine all the people who have been beaten up by nunchaku and you're like, yo, you got, you got beaten by a rice flail. Yeah. Yeah, right. that's, that's, that's probably in the thousands. Yes, Lame. in the thousands. Yeah. And how many people have gone to the hospital because they concussed <laughs> themselves with nunchaku? With themselves, yeah. All right. All right, next up we got the nomadic, the nomadic cat. Nomadic cat. Nomadic cat. Uh-huh, wow. Hello, KFG, Dre, and Mikey. You guys make the best, most entertaining MA podcast out there. M.A. means martial arts, by the way. Thanks. Thanks for that. Time. Way back in the... Fr- I saw confusion on his face. I, I needed to help you out. You're like... M.M.A. Uh-huh. Way back... Huh? I don't know. This is a Phil Collins sounding motherfucker over there talking. <laughs> what is know. he saying? I have no idea, man. He- Dude, right. he loves Phil Collins so much. Yeah. Everything he lives and breathes. I know. So he but can't he's help basically slurring the Phil genesis Collins. of all of our problems. I know. It's, all right, let's go. He is the genesis. The KFG told... Okay, way back in the first NYC Stories episode, the KFG told the story of a seven-foot nervous fellow who took an intro class and never came back. Sifu Alex hinted that he resurfaces years later. Can we please hear that story? Apologies if you have told it and I missed it. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's an interesting story. Yeah. Um, that story, however, does not highlight my proudest moment as a martial arts instructor. Well, this is good to tell then. Yeah, I mean, like, look, uh, um, we are hopefully, you know, we, we, we live here on this earth and we are hopefully trying to better ourselves and imagine our life as like a project, right? Where we are not the same person we were yesterday. We're not the same person we were 10 years ago, right? And so sometimes I look at my past behavior, especially when I was in the IWTA. Now, that's not to blame the IWTA for my behavior, all right? Because we are, I'm responsible for my own mm-hmm. behavior, right? Um, certainly my attitudes towards other martial artists and other Wing Chun people at that time was heavily influenced by the people I was surrounded by at that time. It's never the same. It's such a shame. That's all. Yes. That's all. That's all. Yeah. So, hey, I can say day and you say night. I can say wrong and you say right. Tell me it's black when I know that it's white. You know it is white. But I'm going to tell you it's black. It's just a shame. It's just a shame. That's That's all. all. All right. So, Anyway, uh, this story does not highlight the best of Sifu Alex Richter's behavior or character, Okay, right? It's basically me, I would say, at one of the most entrenched points of being part of Sifu Lang Tang's organization. And again, I'm not trying to blame Sifu Lang Tang or blame his organization, but it is what it is. I was really trying very hard we to emulate... by the empire. I was trying really hard to emulate what I thought other people wanted to see me mm-hmm. as, right? 
So the story goes, and, and it kind of harkens back to our first New York stories. Yeah. Uh, when I started teaching Wing Chun, I didn't know what to expect here in New York. You know, yeah. is it going to be people trying to challenge me all the time? Is it going to be a bunch of weird, foofy artists? Like, what is it going to be, right? Right. And very early on, I, somebody visited my school for an intro lesson. And this guy, as I mentioned, uh, I may have mentioned in that podcast, he wrote these huge... Like, multi, like what would be multiple pages on a Word document emails, right? <laughs> oh, right. And it was like him asking all these questions about like, you know, the Wing Chun that I teach. And do I teach self-defense against weapons? And do I teach this? And do I teach that? Do I teach multiple attackers? It's all the stuff that mm-hmm. people who have no idea about martial arts ask. Now, it's not to say that that's wrong. Everyone started with no idea of martial arts. It's just weird when, like, an adult is super concerned with, do you teach knife defense? Do you teach mm. gun defense? Do you teach multiple attacker defense? Like, because the actual honest answer is, no, because all of that stuff is bullshit. Yeah. All right, multiple attacker defense? Yeah. All right, I'll take three of my least talented students, and you come and learn any of your multiple attacker things, they're just going to swarm you, you're going to be on the ground. They're not going to mm. attack you one by one, right? right? right. But how, how do you convey this professionally in an email? And I just started out... So I made a very newbie mistake, which is that I would spend all the time in the world to answer this guy's emails, right? Because, you know, I was new and I, I was very enthusiastic. Yeah. So he would write like a page of an email. And you would respond and then I would with a page. Res- yeah, I would respond with like well thought out, uh-huh. you know, emails and stuff, right? And, uh, yes. but of course, if you know anything about business, you know that that's the worst thing to do. Man. All right. The best thing to do Explain. is. Explain. The best thing to do is. Hey, man, those are really fantastic questions. Mm -hmm. When you come in for your intro lesson, I will be more than happy to actually show you how we handle these situations one-on-one so that you can really see it. Mm -hmm. All right? What time would you like to come for your intro lesson? Seven fifteen mm-hmm. or eight fifteen on Monday? But you weren't That's, doing that. But I didn't know any of that. So I didn't know <laughs> shit about business. I'm like, <laughs> and then you know what happens after you give someone a you know a page long email response? He writes another page with a bunch of other questions, right? Uh-huh. So this was a learning experience for me, right? Definitely not an earning experience, a learning experience, right? And then back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then finally, I had gotten the guy to come in for an intro lesson. And based on the tone of his emails, I expected this guy to be the proverbial 90-pound weakling. Mm. And homeboy walks in, and he's nearly seven feet tall. And he's not a lanky seven foot. He's not a football player like Mm -hmm. build. Yeah. But he's not what you would call a small guy, okay. all right? Um, if I had a body like his, all right, my Wing Chun wouldn't even need to be half as good as it is, Man. just based on attributes. And if I had a body like his, I may be in jail, okay. all right, for murder, yeah. all right? Okay, yeah. just because yeah. he's got a Hulk smash body, right? Okay. And so I saw not this guy. Not a She-Hulk smash, but Hulk. Yes, okay. either way. Yeah. And when he walked in, it was just like Bruce Lee when he saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in uh, Game of Death. It's yeah. just like he just cranes his neck up like this. And I'm like, this is the guy uh, who's been writing me all these like, yeah, but what if, the, what if you have multiple attackers with weapons? Uh-huh, you know, right, like, right. and the dude lived in like, you know, super gentrified Hoboken, New Jersey. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, Man. you're not getting attacked by multiple attackers with weapons Man. who all know jujitsu and are ninjas, yeah. okay? You'd be lucky if you got attacked with like a, a, a woman with a dog or exactly, something. Exactly, yeah, right? Step like, in ah, dog yeah. shit. Yeah. It would be your, the biggest threat to your daily existence, <laughs> right. right? So anyway, he came in and, you know, when I did the intro lesson with him, 
Um, you know, just kind of very basic day one stuff in Wing Chun, you know, learn like how to do some chain punches, learn how to step forward, close the gap, mm -hmm. and then kind of showed him how, you know, we, we train on the chest very lightly so that we, we can actually make contact at a, a realistic distance. And like, I remember just like going up to him and just like placing my hand on his chest and he was like, <laughs> like he was like the cowardly lion from the Wizard of Oz. Like I would put my hands on him to like, like, you know, guide his arms in mm -hmm. the different movements. And he was like, uh, uh, uh. oh, wow. In hindsight, I should have realized this probably, this guy probably has some trauma. Yeah. Okay. But I was so green, you know, mm -hmm. and I had just come from training at the castle for three years where everyone I was training with was like really highly that. motivated. These are all Wing Chun people, all the top guys in yeah. Europe. Seeing Some of Sifu them were Kanchbeck. as big as him too. Yeah, seeing Sifu Kanchbeck and Sifu yeah. Lerngting and all these bangers and Sifu Heinrich and Sifu Banth and all these guys regularly mm. being surrounded by martial artists and serious Wing Chun people. And here I am with this seven foot giant who I would just like, at that point in my life, not now, but I would have like, I would have given my left nut to be that guy's size. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, this would solve so many of my martial art problems <laughs> if I had your size. Right? Now I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, trade my life for my size for that guy for the right. world. But that, that's the way I looked at it back then. Yeah. And I'm trying to like correct him and give him something. He's like, <laughs> He's like worse than the cowardly lion. Man. And I had no idea because I was so green as a martial arts instructor. This guy probably had some kind of trauma in his life. Or maybe just by virtue of being really big, yeah. He never, no one ever picked on him, no. and he knows he can't fight, and he's afraid, Damn. right? So there's a lot of things I didn't even take into consideration. But I was like, I have to admit, in those early days of my teaching, it was a little bit Cobra Kai style. I kind of thought, and this is not how I would think now, but this is definitely how I thought then. I thought, what a pussy! Mm -hmm. what the fuck is this guy's problem? You know yeah. what I mean? Here I am. I'm like this five foot seven, you know a buck 30 way in nothing. And, and it's like, you know, if, hey, if you have to fight, you have to fight. And if you lose, you lose. If you win, you win. But I mean, at least stand up and be a freaking man. Like, right. what is this? Yeah, that was your it, approach to teaching. Yeah, that, that like, I was like, but I, I didn't say that to him, but I was yeah. just very off-put. And then I showed him some stuff and like, I was able to move him around a little bit. And he was like, seemingly very impressed. And then he left and he never came back. Mm. All right. And I always thought, and my lesson from that uh, which just shows you where my mindset was back then is, man, don't waste time on these dudes. When wow. someone writes all this stuff, don't waste time on them. So instead of me actually figuring out a better way to do sales emails, mm -hmm. I was just like, someone writes an email like this to you, that's a red flag. All right. Okay. And that's not necessarily the case, but that was my takeaway. I mean, I was 23, 24 years old and yeah. I was like, what is this? You know what I mean? I'm like, well, I'm not gonna waste my time with these people because I need to build my school. I want to get people in my school who are like serious. Mm -hmm. And and you know, someone writing, you know, a, a, an essay mm -hmm. per email is is guaranteed to waste my time because I assume that they would all be like him, which is not the case. Right. I just didn't know how to handle it. And also, I felt a little rejected because I was so green. Like, why didn't this guy join? Yeah, he's scared. I'm showing him how to defend himself, but he's and, still and he still doesn't join. join. Yeah. Meanwhile, I didn't realize. I probably just made him feel uncomfortable. He probably thought I was too aggro and too much like this or whatever. And I didn't make him like, these are all things that would never do nowadays. You yeah. know, when someone walks in for an intro lesson, you got to kind of take the temperature of the room, right? Mm -hmm. If the person is easygoing and calm, you don't want to be like, Oh, like this. <laughs> and you know, if the person has very high energy, you want to match their energy, mm -hmm. right? These are things that, you know, you learn you after learn 20 inside. years yeah. of teaching, right? Right, right? But back then I was like, get out of here. Right. 
so it, it wasn't kind of my best moment. And then that guy, you know, left. And then, in, you know, I never saw him again for a few years, I should say. Mm-hmm. And then flash forward, I would say... So I started teaching in 2002, so I would assume, so I saw that seven foot guy somewhere at the end of 2002, maybe beginning 2000. No, no, it was 2002, I remember, Mm. uh, because I had uh, guests uh, from Germany at that time. And um, it was around the time of my wedding. So yeah, it would have been, actually would have been around September 2002. Same year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So just a couple months after I started teaching. Then flash forward a few more years, it had, this has to at least be 2007 because it was Mike Jan. Oh, right. And Mike Jan already had his black shirt. And I believe he got his black shirt around 2007, around the time we went to Hungary. So this now has to be 2007 or 2008. All right. Because right? he was not yet a technician. He was a black shirt, right? So uh, this is now, we're talking like five. I was five, definitely not a black shirt. This there. is five or six years later. Gotcha. All right. And then we get a request for an intro lesson. And... Um, this guy comes in and it's the scaredy cat from seven years prior. And I remember it's kind of flashback on all those questions he was asking me, right? It was like, how long is it going to take to learn the Wing Chun system? Which is such a ridiculous question because it's like, well, you can learn the forms and the cheese house stuff, but do you consider that learning the Wing Chun system or do you consider Mm. it like if you actually have the skill? Like, because... Here in in New York, there was a school. It's not in existence anymore. But his whole thing was te- what he could teach you the Wing Chun system in six months. Okay, but what what does that mean? You take someone who doesn't know anything, and you force feed the Siunam Tao Chamkyu Buji and Wooden Dummy and the weapons in six months down their throat. Ouch. And if you had a relatively talented student that could somehow learn the choreography of these forms and learn those drills in there, what would the result be of that person after six months? Just someone who can memor- someone who could just repeat forms and drills. But you wouldn't have someone who actually understood Wing Chun or had a deep, nuanced understanding of how to use this thing or adapt it in different situations, right? But that was his main thing is, is that teacher would say, oh, everyone else is dragging you out, making you wait for longer. And it's like, but the joke was... at. And those days, mm-hmm. when I would get students from that school, <laughs> it was so difficult because those oh, guys no. were used to learning stuff like Siunam Tao this week and then Ooh. next week. It was like they, they were just learning Wing Chun curriculum like it was passing out Skittles. And every single one of them who came in here, we do our intro lesson. What, what? do we do in our intro lesson? We do straight punch defense, right? Yeah. And we go, okay, so you've done some Wing Chun before. So we go like this. And like these guys are trying to do all this complicated stuff, trying to catch arms with bongs out. And you go, uh, no, you can't do that. What? And no, then okay. we would show these guys, they couldn't even defend a punch. Oh, you learn the wooden dummy? Cool story, bro. Yeah. You can't defend a straight punch. Oh. And so half of those guys would be like, oh, wow. And then they would join. Many of my students, in fact, even some of my assistant instructors originally came from that school. Because once they came here and they learned like, yeah, I can do all this stuff on the wooden dummy. But yeah, if I can't defend a punch, what the hell is the point? Mm-hmm. Right. And then when they did cheese out, it was even worse for them because they learned cheese out super quick without any kind of concept. Right. And then the other half of them would just double down and get pissed off and would leave. Man. Because oh, I was trying to embarrass them or, 
uh, oh, that's just my way of trying to string people along or whatever. But in the Leung system, we always cared about, well, what can you do? I don't care how many forms you know. If I, if, I, if I kick you in the stomach, then who cares if you know wooden dummy? You can't defend a <laughs> kick to the stomach. Who cares? Ouch. All right? Go ahead and hit the wooden dummy, and then yeah. when you're done, I'm going to kick you in the stomach. Okay. All right? <laughs> What's the point, right? So this guy didn't join my school back in 2002, and then he joined that school, which hands out Wing Chun curriculum like Skittles. Oh, and that was one of, hey. the, one of the many talking points that he had in that long-ass email. And so I, kind of in hindsight, when I did like the, the autopsy of that interaction, that first interaction, I was like, okay, well, he was probably a little off put by how aggressive the training was, even though I always taught in a very friendly train. You have to have a friendly training environment if you're going to do an aggressive martial art. Because okay. if you teach an aggressive martial art like Wing Chun and the environment is super, super aggro, I mean, you're not going to have any women, you're not going to have any men who lack confidence you're, yeah. you're only going to have a bunch of you're going to have a gym full of yeah. aggro dudes Meat, meatheads. meatheads right you don't want a bunch of drays exactly a bunch of drays right of drays. so in, in kind of like the post-mortem of that interaction i was like okay he was probably off put by how aggressive it was it was probably a little too aggressive with him and he was also probably off put by the by me saying well you know in learning wing chun we really require a solid mastery of sunum tao in chumkyu and Chumkyu in application. So it's not just that you can pantomime those two forms and then we golf clap and go, oh, you're ready for Buji now because you can pantomime movements in the air. We go, okay, you've learned Sunum Tao and Chumkyu. All right, do you have the Chi Sao skill requisite for those levels? If I fire punches at you or try to tackle you or throw a kick at you, can you defend yourself using the material in those forms? The application, mm -hmm. literally the whole thing point mm -hmm. all right not the pantomiming of those forms and this is what irks me about wing chun people they think that learning the buji equals having buji skill or learning the wooden dummy equals having wooden dummy. no homie oh, you have that skill when you can do it and use it all mm. right we all know that in wing chun sometimes we are like students are at wooden dummy level they're learning the wooden dummy they're learning the wooden dummy chi sao but they know that they cannot quite use it yet so you might be learning the wooden dummy, but you're actually confident in your buji stuff, which you learned prior because you have more practice with that and less confident in this thing you're learning now. But so many Wing Chun people think that if they just touch the wooden dummy for 10 minutes, they are at wooden dummy level. It's like, no, homie, you got to be able to do that. Okay. Do you know how to use section one of the wooden dummy? Do you know why it's arranged the way it is? Do you know the different variations of the neck pull? Why we even have Tan Sao Tai Chung? Why do we stick on one side and not on the other? No, because you just pantomime a bunch of bullshit on a, on a, on a piece of wood. Mm -hmm. And that does not mean you know anything about how to use it. Damn. All right. So when this guy came back, I realized, and he had been training at that other school. I realized, I think I know what the main point was. He just wanted to learn Wing Chun really fast. And he knew that at my school, he would actually have to earn everything that he learned. Damn. Whereas at that school, it's just handed out like Skittles. Damn. All right? So he, like came, he came for an intro lesson now seven years later. And uh, at that time, I was no longer teaching the intros myself. You know, mm -hmm. I had Mike Yan, I had a, other people teaching for me, right? Teaching the intros and stuff. So he came in and then I saw this guy and then I was like, oh, Jesus, this guy, because he's like seven feet tall. Like I would not forget him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I told Mike Jan about this guy. And I'm like, look, this is what happened there. And I go and look, what did he do? And at that time, I was still a punk. All right. Uh -huh. I was still like, you know, very much influenced by the culture of the IWTA, like 
you know, fuck these other Wing Chun guys if they, if they, if they don't want to like train hard mm-hmm. and they just think it's about collecting techniques. You know, what are you going to do? You cannot fix stupid. All right. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and so he comes I've in, heard that one before. he comes in, I mean, that, it's not my attitude now. That was my attitude then. Mm-hmm. And he comes in and he says, uh, he's trained at the other school. And he said it kind of arrogantly, like, yeah, I, went, I did an intro lesson, and then I went and did this other school, and, and now I'm an instructor level over there. Oh. So I was like, oh. But he came for an intro, yeah. He came for an intro. So, so you know, so I had Mike Yan ask them all the normal. So, so why are you here? Well, I want to get a different look on my Wing Chun, and I've been doing that Wing Chun for a few years, and I'm really confused about uh, the application, which is <laughs> super funny, because it's like, that's literally the whole point. And oh, the gag man. is... And I bet you if we dig deep enough, you're yeah. probably confused on the forms too. And yeah. you're probably confused on the cheese out and you're probably confused on the footwork and Damn. you're probably confused as to how it works. Damn. But okay, we'll give you that you're just a little conv- Because he came in like, you know, I don't really need to learn from the beginning because I'm already an instructor, which is already an attitude that I hate. Because if me, I've been teaching <laughs> Wing Chun great. for 20 years and doing it for much longer. And if I go to a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructor, yeah. I go, I'm a beginner. Yeah. Take me as a beginner. All right. Or if I want to learn something from another master in Hong Kong, I'm not a Wing Chun Sifu. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nobody as far as because yeah. you always have to have this attitude as a beginner. And I'll come in like, well, actually, I'm already an instructor. So you need to teach me accordingly. Bullshit. I'm the instructor. I'll teach you according to what you need. You don't tell me mm-hmm. coming in thinking that you are at some level that you're not. All right. Because you don't know what level you are in my school. And second, if you're coming to me to learn something, that means you have something to learn. So you need to come as a student yes. and you need to can this, you're an instructor bullshit, all right? Because that's my attitude, all right? If I go to Miami and I go to a boxing gym, mm-hmm. all right? I don't go, well, actually, you know, I'm the Kung Fu genius and I'm a Wing Chun master. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you imagine? Uh, no, I'll be like, all right. I'll uh, put you through the ringer. Yeah, I want to, I, I wanna, you know, uh, I, I, show me how you do boxing. Show me how you hit mitts. Show me how you spar. Uh-huh. I, usually don't, I usually tell those, don't tell those people anything. For years, I trained at a Thai boxing school in Hong Kong every time I went there. And I never mentioned anything about what I did. Yeah. All right? Because I just want to train like a normal person and learn. And, and I'm not there representing anything. I'm there learning. Yeah. All right? So I expect that when people come to my school. I don't care what you did before. It's great. And I respect you for having done martial arts. But when you're on the training floor, you are not, you are not an instructor from another Wing Chun school if you're here to learn something. Mm-hmm. All right? If you're not, then that means I invited you to teach, which I certainly didn't. Okay. All right? So, hey, hey, hey. Hey. Take it easy. All right? <laughs> Slow down, Tito. So anyway, uh, you know, Mike Yan asked him, why are you here? Well, I'm a little confused about the application, so mm-hmm. I know you guys are good with the application. As if, like, somehow that's all we do. We're not good with the forms because we don't teach <laughs> yeah. them so quickly, no, right? This is application. Right? Which is actually funny because... If someone teaches you forms very, very fast and then shows you the next one, that's usually a sign they actually don't know much about the forms because they have reduced it to choreography. If you reduce the Siunam Tao to choreography, if you reduce all the Wing Chun forms to choreography, well, I can also teach Wing Chun in three months. Yeah. If it's just the choreography and pantomiming and follow what I Probably do, sooner, you can yeah. take an averagely talented or visual student and teach them that. Mm. And then you can roundhouse kick them in the head. All right. And they will be standing there like they're doing the wooden dummy form and they won't know anything about how to defend because these are two separate things. Forms are just part of the teaching system. They are not the Wing Chun. Mm -mm. All right. So, um, you know, I told Mike, I said, look, this guy was a total waste of time seven years ago. And I go in, look, all he wanted to do was learn Wing Chun fast. And that's what he got. 
And after he learned Wing Chun fast, he realized he doesn't know how to use it. Mm-hmm. And now he wants to come here to fix it. So I said, show him. Oh, no. Okay. Oh no. And and I Show and, him. and I and I told it was very Cobra Kai. All right. Uh, My school was a little on the Cobra Kai side back then, right? Uh, it's very different it's now. Amazing. City Wing Chun is such a calm, easy, cool place to come and train and chill yeah. and do your sparring and everything like that. But back then, I was so like, yeah, I was so kind of Church of Learn Tang, you, like you know, like you you are like you your uh, existence is an affront to my ego. You know you, what I mean? Were you Johnny? Were you Crease? Were you uh, this other villain guy? Who, which one were you? If you had to look back oh, and that's say, a good, yeah. yeah, I want to say I was. No, I, I, I wasn't as put together as Terry Silver. It's certainly <laughs> yeah, not, as well not, funded. Silver. not as well-funded. And it was funded not as Terry. pure a villain as Kreese. Okay. I think I was more of a Johnny. More of a Johnny. Because Johnny has the potential to get better, uh-huh. all right? which is what makes Cobra Kai so great. Yeah. So, uh, but, this, but, but you have to imagine, I was Johnny. But uh-huh. I was Johnny in Karate Kid 1 then. Yeah. I'm Johnny at the end of season five now. Okay. All right? Got okay. It, he has it. some He's spoilers. He's lot. grown. Okay. Yeah. All right? I'm that Johnny now, right? Oh, but I was man. Johnny in, in ni- 1984 <laughs> in 2007, right? Damn. And so uh, um, I just said, just show him. I go, I, I, I told Mike, I go, actually, I don't want this guy to join because he's just kind of a waste of time. Mm. So just send him back with his tail between his legs, all right? Mm-hmm. And it was not my finest moments, all mm-hmm. right? And um, so Mike did an intro, same intro we do for everyone, yeah. all right? He's a straight punch defense. The guy couldn't stop a straight punch. I mean, we didn't punch him in the face full power or anything. It's not like, come in, <laughs> all right, go ahead and join. You can't stop a straight just punch. Just show him the fist. It was just kind of showing him, like, no, this doesn't work. This doesn't, uh-huh. and the, yeah, you have to do it like this. You have to do it like this, right? And then, like, you know, checking his basics. His stance was wrong. Mike swept him quick to the floor. Like, oh, no, you can't stand that way. Damn, dude. Uh, and, and then, um, and then the, and Mike is dismantling all of his basics. Oh, no, you mm. can't. Like, if you, have, if you have your head this way, I'm going to pull you and sweep you off. If you have your legs this way, I'm going to do that. Oh, okay, I can kick you in the groin. Oh, look, boom, here you're open, right? And he's dismantling this guy on a technical, like, uh, just from a technical standpoint. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, oh, oh okay, okay. Mm. Um, well, I'm an instructor. Uh, can we do cheese out? And it was it was so infuriating because the 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 balls or the idiocy of someone to walk into a school Man. and on his basic techniques get totally dismantled like uh, like his chain punch his hand was like this and I think Mike oh, just yeah. grabbed him and hit him in his own face with his punch like you <laughs> no. can you cannot hold your hands like here like like this it's like oh, you're no. collapsed right oh wow weight was 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 incorrectly distributed groin was open. All right, wasn't able to move out of the way when he got pressed. He would just fall backwards, oh, right? No. And then he was like constantly being dismantled on what, what's basically the first six months stuff we teach here at City Wing Chun. And then the guy's like, oh, can we do chi sao? And it's like, dude, you can't even do basics. You want to mm. talk about chi sao? And also, given that his basics were so easily dismantled, what did he think was going to happen in chi sao? All right. He's an instructor. He, and he, so, and, and of course, and at that time, this was, you know, in the old fourth floor, we didn't have the, um, the moon gate at that time. Okay. I used these Asian dividers, right? Those. Do you remember like the Shoji yes. screens, right? Yeah. And this guy's head, <laughs> oh, no. he was so tall, his head was like above <laughs> those screens, right? And Mike Yan, I could just see like the top of his hair, right? <laughs> and Mike Yan just <laughs> sends him into the wall with the first attack. Oh, no. <laughs> Packs out punch. Like just all like our first two basic attacks and the guy couldn't stop them. 
And then he tried to do Lapta to Mike, but in the in this normal way, and then lands out Daijia and game over, right? And, and uh. then and then and then the guy like you know tried to do something. And Mike swept him on the ground and brought him up. And the guy's like, oh, okay, 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 I'm done. All right. And then he goes, uh, what level are you at? <laughs> and what he means by what level are you at? Uh-huh. So how many forms have you learned? And Mike Yan said, I've learned up to Chumkyu. Yeah. Which was true. He had not le- yet learned Byuji, but uh-huh. he knew how to do the stuff that he's supposed to do. And the guy was like, oh, oh I'm at wooden, uh, I'm, I'm at uh, pole or knife or something yeah. like that. And Mike was like, cool. <laughs> and then uh, the guy left and we never saw him again, right? Oh, yes. And uh, shortly after that, it came through the grapevine that um, uh, I was a gangster and I was a thug. At yeah. that school, they were telling people like, oh, don't go to the Langtig school. Those guys are a bunch of thugs and gangsters. And yeah. then it seemed that yeah, that guy may have also been sent to my school because uh, maybe they thought because of his stature, we would have been afraid or something like that. Um, but he was not the guy to send to our school. Um, oh, and I'm not proud of that because in hindsight, mm-hmm. if I could go back, all right? I mean, I don't regret it. It happened. It was a teachable moment. Yeah. You cannot live your life in regret for past mistakes. You made past mistakes. You got to move on. But like if I could go back in a time machine. In a Dreisen. Dreisen in a Dreisen time, time, machine. time machine. All right. You, have to put that you, can't, there, right? you can't think of time machine without the Dreisen I time can, machine. but you won't let me. <laughs> all right. So... If I could go back to that first interaction, okay, all right, I would have sat down and talked to the guy first, the way we do with all of our intro lessons, and be like, so tell me why you're here, mm. all right? What is it that you're looking for? What kind of training do you want? Um, are there any things that you like about martial arts training, things you don't like about martial arts training? And also to have the courage to say, um, I forget what his name was, all of these things sound great, but I don't think my school is the one you're looking for. Because that's also another thing you have to do too. Kind of like my Hong Kong trip. I have this huge PDF. Yeah. Because I want people to know, look, this is what to expect. There's also what not to expect. And these are things you have to pay attention to. And if these are things you th- that you don't like, like I also put a thing on there of people who have massive dietary restrictions. All right. Why are you um, looking at me? <laughs> I'm just looking at you. All right. Hey, because I don't have those restrictions yeah, anymore. Because oh, what? Uh, thanks to Hong Kong. Because in, in Hong Kong, I've, I've had the problem, like we go uh, to Hong Kong in a group. And there's one person that can't eat this, 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 and this. And then if I'm going to have a tour with 15, 20 people, and I have six people that all have their special food allergies, oh, and yeah. I have to relay this in Cantonese. Oh, no. First of all, they're not going to... Hong Kong is not really the place. No. If you, if you have massive... They don't accommodate like that. No, no. they don't really accommodate. No. So if you go there with like, you know, I don't eat gluten with... <laughs> but I don't eat brown gluten... I, Yellow gluten, gluten is okay. Yeah. And then uh, the oil had no. like, get out of here, oh, man. No. Get out of here. All right. You can stay I'm home. Still, you, I'm still coming. You can yeah. keep trying to get me. They to can come. I'm still get out of here along with anyone who doesn't like AC yeah. or think AC is giving you cirrhosis of the liver. Yeah. You just don't go. You're going to have trip, to right? lift those food so restrictions. You, you have to have the courage sometimes as a martial arts school owner mm-hmm. to be like, you know, um, I don't think my school is the right place for you. It's not All right? the right and fit. It's not the right fit. I go, I think you want something where you can maybe focus more on the forms and stuff like that. And let me recommend this school to you because I think that would be more your speed. That's what I would do now. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would do back then. That's the advice I would tell my past self because I think people would appreciate it if you go like, well, you know, everything you want out of martial arts is totally legit. It's not exactly what I offer here at the school. Mm-hmm. What I do is more geared towards this, that, or the other thing. 
So, um, you know, certainly go ahead and try out the class and see if you like it. But uh, I actually think maybe this other style or this other school might be a better fit. To actually have the courage to say, um, yeah, maybe my school's not for you. Because I know what I offer. It has value. I have confidence in what I do. But I also know that it's not for everyone. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Not everyone who walks in the door uh, will fit in here or should fit in here. You know? And that's okay. Um, and I don't have to get upset because someone doesn't accept my way of doing things, right? Yeah, especially we have low ceilings too. Exactly, right? If you, if you can uh, levitate because of your Tai Chi, <laughs> yeah. you got, you'll, yeah, you'll be stuck to the ceiling fit. here, right? So I, I think back then, like, like, I was really harsh with that guy. Mm -hmm. um, not the first time. The first time I was just off-put that the guy was just like so scared. But I should have realized this guy has some kind of trauma. He's, he has something like maybe the solution for that guy during the first visit is like, you know what? I think my group classes might be a little too intense for you, but you might actually benefit from doing private training with me where we can do things really slow and mm -hmm. step by step. I wasn't even thinking that way, even like a way to still monetize someone who wouldn't go into my class right away because right. it was always like, you have to join the school. And once you're at the school, if you are deemed worthy, then you can take private lessons. You fuck that, all right? No. Now, maybe the group class is not for you. You should just take private lessons with me and we can work on these things step by step. Yeah. I wasn't thinking like that. And the second time he came was purely ideological. Honestly, if I look at my intentions, I felt that he had rejected me and he had rejected Leung Teng Wing Chun. And then he came crawling back. Mm. And it was like, in a very Cobra Kai way, no. Mm. Now the power dynamic is shifted. I'm not <laughs> trying to get you as a student. Uh. You're trying to get me as an instructor and I don't want you. And that was my ego. And honestly, that was pretty shitty. Yeah. And that is not... How I look, like I cringe when I think uh -huh. of that past version of myself, mm -hmm. but it's true. Uh, I, that's the way I was, right? And it took me a while to kind of purge that idea from my system. And uh, it took me a while after leaving the IWTA mm -hmm. to realize that really what I'm doing here is a benefit for the students. They come here for a sense of community to get what they want. Not everyone who comes here is a fighter. And so they mm -hmm. might not go down the fighter track. And not everyone who comes here wants to be an instructor, so they don't go down the instructor track. Some people are just here because they enjoy it. Yeah. And other people might want to be more of a fighter or more of an instructor or whatever. And then we find ways to allow these different groups to thrive under the banner of City Wing Chun. But not everyone who comes in my school has to be this one-way, super hardcore, dedicated fighter who also wants to be an instructor. Mm. All right, So I, I don't have to put this burden on them, right? Like Krishnamurti always said, the teacher imposes their burden on the student. How can I take that burden off and just let people enjoy Wing Chun? And that's been my mission since I quit the IWTA in 2011. Okay. And that's all I got to say about that. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius. Hit that bell for notifications. Like this episode. And if you have any questions you want me to answer on a future episode of the Kung Fu Genius, put them in the comments below. And as always, I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a Kung Fu Genius. Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seagung. And I produce masters. You surpassed us. Your Kung Fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt. Alex Richter, always the victor. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to like the Kung Fu Genius. Subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius. F*** that. <laughs> uh, here it comes. Here it comes. Now shut up. Oh, yeah. Here we go.
Okay. Yes. You can't screw this up, you know. Or, okay. Or would Here you we like go. us to give you one Shut more up. night? Shut up! Because <laughs> right. we can't wait forever. Quiet! Quiet, Trey. Punch the shit out of you. <laughs> get the fuck out of here, both of you. Where? Earphones off. You Where? get the fuck out of here. Out of here. Out of here. You're going to try to get me to get out of here. I don't even want to look at you. Out of here. Over there, turn around. I don't want to see your faces so I can get this done. Look the other way, you sons of bitch. Lots of gems, lots of weapon retention, lots of... Don't be coming up in here with your seven-foot ass talking about I learned wooden dummy and I can't defend a string punch. All right, perfect. All right, peeps, on today's... Oh, wait, hold on. Just remember there's no jacket required. I can't dance, I can't talk. <laughs> Only thing about me is, is the, the way, way that, that I walk. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.